In just a moment, I'm going to read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. You may want your Bible open. There are Bibles with the hymnals there. It will be on the screen, but I'll be referring to the verses throughout the message, so you may want a copy of your own in front of you. Before I do that, uh, let me just invite us to a time of meditation and quiet reflection. You know, uh, sometimes during the week, the only time we're awake and this quiet is in this space to create space for God to speak, to create space for us to listen. So let's just be quiet in God's presence, and then I'll lead us in prayer. Our loving God, we are so very thankful for the mystery of worship, for the mystery of being invited into your presence, you the great God of the cosmos who cares about us, knows our names, knows our needs, So we come in the name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, who shed his blood for us, that we might be in your presence having access to your grace and mercy. How we thank you for your eternal plan that envelops us in all of life and in death and in eternity. And Lord, we're truly sorry that we spend most of our prayer time and worship time obsessing about what we need or worrying about what is to come, or regretting what has been. And we're so sorry, Lord, that we so rarely just take time to breathe prayers of thanks for who we are and what we have, for all that you've given to us. And so we pause to lift up hearts that are grateful, to praise you for your beauty and wonder, your goodness and love, and to thank you for all of life's gifts. We do pray today for those who are experiencing difficult life transitions, illness, displacement from where they want to live, the death of loved ones, family separations, job difficulties. We pray you grace and mercy would be upon each life. We pray, dear God, that you would bless our nation and bless our world. We so desperately need your peace and your justice. We need you to be reigning in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls everywhere. We remember today the homeless and the hungry, the refugees who are fleeing places of war. We pray, God, for victims uh, of enslavement. We pray, dear God, that you might somehow intervene in all of these situations and be God of the entire world. We want to be good listeners this morning, and we want to hear what you have to say. So speak through me, speak through these scriptures, speak through us as we listen and as we receive. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be acceptable, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Matthew 13, beginning in verse 1, and if you're able, would you stand as I read God's word aloud? That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there, while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, 
for they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil, and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Now to verse 18, to Jesus expounding on this parable. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. That is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while, and when the trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, this sermon series that we're in, uh, we're thinking together about the agricultural images in Scripture that somehow inform us about our relationship with Christ, not only our relationship individually, but our relationship with Christ as families. However, uh, you define family size and content and uh, makeup and everything else. And this morning, last week we talked about roots, and this morning we're talking about soil. Uh, let me use a, a synonym. We're talking about earth. We're talking about dirt. You can go home and tell somebody this afternoon, the pastor preached a dirty sermon, and just see what they say. Because we're going to talk about dirt. Now, maybe you didn't realize how miraculous and vital soil, dirt, earth, how vital that element of reality is, uh, but it's really wondrous when you think about it. I want to share with you just a few quotes that, that sort of take of soil, plants, and animals. Soil is vital to all of life. Jesus knew what he was talking about when he created this fascinating parable. And by the way, this parable in Matthew 13, uh, some Bible commentators call it the parable of the seed that is sown, but it's not really the parable of the seed because the seed is constant in every instance. The seed is God's word, but the seed is constant. The variable in each of these stories is not the seed, but the soil. It's the soil that's different in each instance. And I want us to just review, and I'm going to put on the screen for you, just a simple review. Uh, Jesus described the first kind of soil, verse 4, then he expands on it in verse 19, as packed and hard. Uh, they didn't do fences back in Jesus' day. Uh, they still don't uh, in, middle, uh, in, in many Middle East countries and other parts of the world. They don't do fences. They just have a hard walked path that separates one plot of land from another person's plot of land. And the barrier was simply a hard path that you walked. And Jesus said this first soil was so packed and so hard that the seed could not germinate, and so the birds just came and plucked it up. 
And then there is, verse 5, the description of rocky soil. That description of the soil, and believe me, there are lots of rocks in Israel. There are lots of rocks in Jefferson City. Have you noticed that? Uh, Nothing could grow there because the soil is just so filled with rocks. And then in verse uh, 7 and expounded in verse 22, Jesus describes depleted soil. He talks about weeds and thistles and thorns because the weeds suck all the nutrients out of the soil, take all of the water and all of the, all of the good things in the soil, and it leaves the good plant depleted of its resources that it needs to thrive. And then finally, Jesus describes in verse 8 and explains in verse 23 the good soil, the rich soil that bears 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold. That's the bumper crop. And By the way, that's a description of how Each of us is saved. How each of us comes into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning thinking we earn God's love. We don't earn God's love. We could never earn God's love. He loves us. And to be saved is to receive the implanted word with meekness. James 1, 21. To receive. We don't earn it. We receive the implanted word into the soil of our hearts. James says... With meekness, receive the implanted word that is able to save your soul. That's how we experience salvation, to receive God's word by faith into our hearts of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross and in the resurrection. But if the soil's not right, that seed of God's word is not going to have the seedbed and the conditions that are appropriate for germination and growth. You know, um, I first moved away from northwest Missouri when Janet and I got married and we began pastoring a church in Calhoun, Missouri. So that's the first time I moved away from the rich, black, loamy, deep soil of northwest Missouri. I mean, when we plowed, the plow turned over rich, black soil that just glistened in the sun, and I can still smell that fresh earth being turned over. Soil was rich and the soil was deep. We moved down to this part of the state and I, I discovered that not all soil is created equal. Have you noticed that? It, it is just not created equal. When we first moved here, I remember I was trying, emphasis on trying, to plant a shrub on the west side of our house and my teeth were about to be jarred loose because I kept hitting rock and clay and rock and clay. I finally borrowed a pickaxe from my father to plant a shrub. And I, and I said to Janet, nothing's ever going to grow here because it just, the soil is so poor. No, not all soils are created equal. Soil has to be worked and worked and worked. That reminded me of a, uh, I heard the story about a gardener. Everybody admired him. Everybody wanted to have gardens just like him, and they wanted to know his secret, and, and they were always peppering him with questions about how he got his roses so beautiful, and, and he said one day, he said, it's really very simple. It's not complicated. He said, you just go buy a $20 rose bush, but you put it in a hole that's filled with $50 dirt. You know, it's the soil. It's the soil, it's the dirt that makes the difference. That's the variable. That's what gives the plant such a great start and gives it life. So let's think about, 
let's think about uh, applying this parable not only to our lives, but to our homes, to our families. Think about this. Your heart is a seedbed for God and what God wants to do in your life. Your heart is a seedbed for what God wants to do in your life. How is the soil in your seedbed? How is it? Your home is a seedbed in which God wants to plant and grow some beautiful things. How's the soil in the seedbed of your family? We all bear responsibility for tilling and cultivating and working the soil of our hearts and of our homes. Here's an interesting uh, book that was published recently. Uh, The Spiritual Child, the Science, the New Science on Parenting for Health and Lifelong Lifelong Thriving. The author, Lisa Miller, teaches psychology and education at Columbia University's Teaching College in New York City. So this book is not from a Christian or spiritual perspective, but it is a book in which the author says that spiritual development is closely tied to a child's emotional and social development, a child's physical development, and a child's intellectual development. Here is a, an educational scientist who says that the spiritual formation of a child is closely connected developmentally to every other developmental facet of a child's life. And then she says words that intrigued me, biologically, we are all hardwired for spiritual connection. We are all hardwired, biologically, for spiritual connection. Do you see the possibilities? And do you sense the enormous responsibility of bringing children into this world and the enormous calling upon our church, the vision of our church, to create life-changing faith, to create a seedbed in partnership with homes in which the child can thrive spiritually. It's not a surprise, is it, that Matthew's gospel, since its writing in the first century, has been described as the teaching gospel. It's the longest of the four Gospels. It's the one Gospel that has the most red letters, the most words of Jesus. It is organized around series of fives and series of tens. Internally, there's a structure to it. And many believe that the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, was a teaching manual for new members who came into the faith during the first century. It was a new members manual. Not surprising, is it, when you think about the care with which Jesus says, this is how the Word of God wants and needs to work in our hearts if the soil of our homes, soil of our hearts are ready and if they're in place. And you remember on February 26th when our church rolled out the setting sail vision of how we would implement, how we would move forward in our vision as a church? 
a large section of that was on spiritual formation. A large section of our vision was about life-changing faith and allowing the Word of God to go down deep into the collective life of our congregation, knowing it to be, is to be disseminated through families and homes. Now I want to pitch something to you that uh, may be a different way of interpreting this, this parable. Many of us have grown up hearing sermons and Bible studies about this as if Jesus is describing four different kinds of people. Now that's the safe way, right? Because if you can create otherness, then you always feel better about yourself. There are some people whose lives are just hard and they never receive God's Word. There are some people's lives who are just full of rocks and There are some people whose lives are so full of the cares of the world, but then there are those like us whose soil is rich and loamy and and we receive God's Word. Actually, I'm I'm not sure that's how Jesus intended this to be interpreted. Try this interpretation. Sometimes the condition of my heart is so receptive to God's Word and, and it's so hungry. But there are other times in my life when my heart is so hard, I can't even hear what God has to say. There are some times in my life where I have all these good intentions, and then all the distractions of the world just choke out what God's trying to do in my heart. See, this isn't four different kinds of people. This is all of us at different times in our own lives, sometimes in the same week, sometimes in the same day. And did you notice that in the parable in chapter 13 begins and ends with the word listen? Verse 3, Jesus says listen, and then he starts telling the parable. When he finishes the parable, he says let anyone with ears listen. Depending on your translation, five times in verses 18 through 23, the word hear or hears appears. Listen, listen, listen. The way we work the soil of our hearts to create that fertile seedbed is to continually listen. And I know this much. My inability to hear God speaking to me is related to my inability to hear a truth that my wife may be needing to speak into my life that I don't want to hear as well. You see the connection? Not listening to God, not listening to those who love us. That the bad soil in our hearts impacts our relationship with God, but it also impacts our relationship with people in our family, people in our relationships and connections. And did you know that soil can be carrying too much acid? The acidity of the soil is something that that can be measured relatively easily. And what about the acid in our soil? 
the soil of our hearts? What about the harsh words that we speak to spouse? The harsh words that we speak to children or to parents or to siblings? Revealing the acid in our soul that needs to be worked out and neutralized by kindness and by love. You know where the word humility comes from? The word humility comes from the word humus, that part of the soil that is the decayed organic matter that makes soil rich and fertile. Humility is to literally be down to earth. Humility is to be down low on the ground. Remember James says, with meekness receive the implanted word which is able to save your soul. For us to hear God's word to be saved, for us to hear God's word to be effective family members, there must be a brokenness. There must be a breaking up of fallow ground. There must be a humility toward God that says, God, I need you. I can't save myself. But a humility toward family members that says, I don't have all the answers. I don't have to always be right. I don't always have to have the last word. I will be humble in your presence. I will be humus. I will be down to earth in my relationship with you. Humility. And this verse in Hosea chapter 10 is a reminder that the agricultural theme is not just a New Testament theme. The prophet Hosea said, Sow yourself for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Could we say that aloud together? Say it with me. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. 